I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. I am joined by Karthik Krishnaya. We are back after an absence of about, about a month, uh, actually maybe a little bit more than a month. And uh, on behalf of World Soccer Talk, definitely apologize for that. Um, things have come up. So one of the things that came up was uh, I was on vacation for about 10 days during spring break. Uh, and that was something that kind of uh, definitely impacted. And then Kartik, in terms of on your side, and I know there's been some things uh, happening behind the scenes. Yeah, so I've had uh, a number of kind of things that have thrown my life into tumult. Uh, most notably, uh, my father being diagnosed with uh, with a recurrence of cancer, and he's about to turn eighty. And it's a it's it's a very bad situation, and it, and it happened very suddenly. He was very active, and you know, even drove uh, basically four hundred miles in a day. Uh, I'm now saying last month, sorry, in in, in early February. Uh, but uh, went abroad to, to India, uh, ended up spending a day in London also on the way back and was sick the last couple of days of that trip. And it turns out he's got uh, a, a pretty serious case of cancer. So that's taken me away from things the last four weeks, in addition to some other family issues and uh, um, just everything else going on in life. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, though, too. I mean, really, family is always most important. And, and that's the thing, too. I mean, for a lot of us. Uh, listeners to sometimes you mean it's it is a struggle sometimes between you mean whether it's like watching all these soccer games from around the world and so many games available and then also prioritizing family and work of course but uh but Kartik, on behalf of everyone we hope everything goes well for your dad and that he pulls through and um we're definitely sending a lot of love that way to uh to south florida and to miami um hoping that your dad gets better um, and he's a big soccer fan. I've, I've met him on a, on a few occasions and uh, a great guy. So Yeah, thank you. And one of the things he's been doing while he's been laid up, basically, is watching uh, more soccer than usual. And I, I uh, kind of regret, I, I, I guess a little bit of a teaser, kind of regret that when I, I was over there and he wanted to watch the Dortmund-Bayern match, I didn't stop him from watching it and and, and, and put the TV on NWSL or, or Premier League instead because that game uh, certainly didn't help his, his mental health at all. 
that's that's the thing though too. I mean, I mean, like so even midweek, right? The Chelsea Liverpool game. I'm not sh- not sure if you watched it, but it, it's like you go in with high hopes sometimes, and it, you come come out of it with like, oh my gosh, just a boring nil nil game between two teams that are definitely far from what they were before. And then other times you go into a game thinking, okay, this is just going to be just an average game, nothing exciting, and all of a sudden it, come, it comes alive. And and, uh, and and I'm actually sorry I missed the Bayern Munich game uh, midweek with Freiburg in the DFB uh, Pokal. Some, I mean, there's so many games available. You mean it's hard to pick a winner every time. Uh, and, and like you mentioned too, with the uh, Der Klassiker, uh, again, high hopes going into the game, uh, Dortmund against uh, Bayern Munich, and then you mean again, yet again, uh, Dortmund defensively in goalkeeping errors and just crumble under the force of, of Bayern Munich. I wanted to ask you about that, Kartik, before we kind of go into talking about some of the other things uh, going on from the, the world of soccer. And there's been a lot happening in the last four weeks is talking about like viewing habits uh, and and whether they're changing i mean there's so many different things happening right there's whether it's mls season pass or whether there's new tv deals so um tnt getting rights to u.s men's national team games or hbo max showing some of those games as well as um other leagues i mean or, or cup tournaments u.s open cup as an example too changing hands um so so I mean, how does that impact your overall just just your viewing habits in terms of are you watching more of something and less of something else? Yeah, I guess Paramount Plus is very easy to navigate uh, to watch NWSL. And obviously, I'm uh, those of you who re- obviously read our site know that I'm uh, covering NWSL weekly for for World Soccer Talk. So uh, that's um, appointment viewing. That's that has a motivation, but um, yeah, I think my viewing habits are changing and, and uh, maybe we'll get into this in a minute. Informally, the viewing habits of others are changing. And even last night uh, I was at the U S open cup match between Miami FC and uh, Jacksonville Armada. Uh, A lot of the people who go to the Miami FC matches uh, are also inter Miami fans. A lot are not actually a lot are very hostile to MLS, uh, but that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but th- those that are also inter Miami fans have basically said their viewing has dropped off of MLS because of uh, MLS season pass and that you have all of the matches in one block. And if you're going to watch your team, you're not going to watch any other matches. And MLS is not a compelling enough product for them to go back and say, okay, I'm going to watch these games on demand. Uh, so, again, I've also heard this from uh, professionals in the industry that work in soccer, that USL staggering their kickoffs a little more this year than they have in the past. I don't know if that's by design or it's just a coincidence, uh, given the MLS uh, situation on, uh, on Apple. Is, uh, is motivating them to watch more USL on ESPN+. And one person who works in the game, who actually, I'm going to be as vague as I can, but actually does, business, does work with MLS clubs, um, but also does work with USL clubs and, and NISA clubs, etc., um, told me that uh, they haven't even signed up for Apple Season Pass because uh, there's uh, enough free games and they're only going to watch one because they're all at the same time. And USL is staggering their kickoffs. And in many cases, even at that 7.30 p.m. Eastern time slot, 
they're going to want to watch uh, the a USL match, and they have ESPN Plus. They have ESPN Plus anyway because of La Liga and the Bundesliga, uh, and they're motivated to keep it because of, of USL being there. Um, and that uh, there's also uh, opportunity throughout the day on Saturday and on Sunday to watch NWSL matches. So um, this is interesting because it, it's, and it's very early days, Chris, but maybe I was wrong. I always said MLS needed consistent kickoff times. I always said MLS would be better off putting all their games at 7.30 local time. Um, and perhaps I was wrong. I mean, it's all anecdotal evidence, what I'm hearing. Granted, it's not scientific, but it's uh, it really debunks my preconceived notion that um, uh, that having a standard kickoff time uh, and appointment viewing is a positive thing. But it is a positive thing for the Premier League. So maybe it's just that MLS isn't evolved enough as a product or compelling enough as a product to make it work. Or it's just the people I happen to be talking to. Yeah, there's some great points there, Kartik. So, so before I get to the MLS season pass uh, points you, you raised, which are really interesting, I, I think personally, and I'm sure some of our listeners probably feel the same way too, is that sometimes I go through kind of periods where I'm watching maybe outside of soccer. Uh, I might be like uh, going through Netflix, watching a lot of Netflix, and then all of a sudden next month I'm watching more Amazon Prime or the following month, or a different time, it might be H- HBO Max, and then I'm not watching as much of on Netflix, and so on and so forth. So I do go through different cycles. So when I'm watching entertainment, looking for shows or documentaries or movies, I mean, it, it, it's it's hit and miss. It's not consistent. So I think it's the same way with soccer and streaming. Is I mean, right now I'm probably watching more Peacock and less ESPN Plus. Um, and it may change next month where I start watching maybe more Paramount Plus or uh, another uh, streaming service showing games. So I, I think part of that is that, I mean, I, get, I don't know what it is there. If, if it's just like looking for content, looking for entertainment and uh, watching it on different places. But, but going back to the MLS season pass thing. This this is really interesting, right? In terms of what Major League Soccer and Apple has been doing, uh, there was that unverified report uh, earlier this week saying that uh, MLS numbers, in terms of the number of subscribers that have signed up for MLS Season Pass, were way below the um, the expectations and the goals that MLS had set, which was uh, actually it's at forty percent of what of where they expected to be. So they're well below if if that information is correct. However, Kartik, <laughs> with Major League Soccer, to me personally, watching MLS season pass every weekend, um, and and you've probably been watching more of the ESPN Plus and watching more of the USL. I like that it's concentrated. Most of the games are concentrated between that seven thirty Eastern time and ten thirty Eastern time. You I mean roughly, because I think taken as a whole, MLS is stronger together. So when I'm watching MLS 360 and there's some a couple of boring games on, but some of the other games come alive, something uh, controversial happens or some amazing goal or some, some something happens in those games, collectively as a whole, MLS is actually stronger having everything put together in one and you're watching it and having some, I mean, whether it's Lee McHugh or Kalen Kyle or, or others, Sasha, Sasha Kleiston or uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, talking you th- through it uh if you had it before 
which is what we had before, right? With MLS, where the games were kind of all at different times, different times of the day, different days of the week. Everything's so stretched out. Um, to me, that that actually decreases the the entertainment value of what MLS is putting out there. I, what, what do you think, Kartik? Uh, I... I agree if you're into the league, right? But um, and I've always been an advocate for simultaneous kickoffs, and and I mean, I I'll, I have the evidence of the league I worked in, uh, the uh, NASL advocating every match kickoff at seven thirty. Uh, the exceptions were matches in Canada because we had a TV deal up there, uh, and so what TSN or Rogers wanted to do is, is is kind of where we were stuck, right? And it was usually a bad time slot, but but matches in in the United States. Um, consistent kickoff times because I thought that that was also part of it. One, you drive ticket sales by being consistent in your market. At the same time, you drive viewership uh, and then you build more interest in the league because if the game someone's watching is bad, they can flip to another game, which is not always the case with USL. I mean, there have been some duds. There was a Friday night USL match a few weeks ago I watched um, uh, Pittsburgh and Miami, which was just an absolute dud, and there was nowhere else to go, right? If you were going to go anywhere else, you were going to start watching basketball or baseball, right? <laughs> you weren't going to watch another soccer match because there was nothing else going on simultaneously. But um, that having been said, again, I, I can't – I have my own personal preferences. You have your own personal preferences. It is multiple, multiple people who have told me this, right, including, as I said uh, – more than one person who works in the game, and I gave kind of the description of one of the people who was actually you know, involved with uh, MLS clubs. It said this is just no, no good for them because uh, I guess if you're someone who works in the game and you want to watch multiple uh, matches, them all being at the same time is not helpful. And then for some of the fans, um, they feel like, okay, um, I want to watch Orlando City or Inter-Miami and there are 10 other games going on at the same time. So I'm never going to go back and watch those games. I don't have any interest in that. Whereas USL and NWSL are staggering their kickoffs and remain on kind of more mainstream streaming services. Yeah, for me personally, I'm watching more MLS this season than I have in a few years. So I'm, I'm tuning into MLS 360 every weekend, something I'm looking forward to every Saturday night, 7.30, switching on and see what happens. And uh with no expectations uh, and and usually no specific match I want to watch. I just want to be entertained. And for the most part, it it has been entertaining. However, I'm not the the average person. But that's the thing, though, too, Kartik. When you look at, say, the Premier League as as the perfect example, is the Premier League better or more exciting because it has that 10 a.m. to noon uh, block of time where there's four or five matches happening at the same time and a lot of people are watching Goal, Goal Rush or a bunch of people are watching it on USA Network and watching a specific game or watching an individual game on, on, on Peacock. While um, the other games are padded, right? You have a early 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time kickoff that's usually a pretty big game. Uh, the 12.30 one, which is uh, also usually a, a big game too. Sometimes a 2.45 uh, Eastern Time uh, kickoff, which is another one. But then the big games then are, are scheduled then on, on the Sunday morning. 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time is always the the biggest game of the of the weekend. And then you have the game on the, on the Monday. So the way that they've scheduled it, they've structured it, is they're encouraging you. You don't have to, but they're encouraging you to start watching on Saturday morning Eastern Time 
all the way through for basically about five to six or seven hours and then to come back on Sunday morning and watching it again for another four hours and then come back on Monday, if you want to, to watch another two hours versus MLS where they've put mo- almost all the matches in that in that time and they often have that earlier kickoff, kind of a 4.30 uh, Eastern time kickoff on Fox, which is also on MLS Season Pass. However, that game so far this season has been a dud for the most part. That game hasn't been the exciting game. Fox's coverage hasn't been that great. Uh, so it's kind of like a downer leading into the, the night of MLS 360, which I think is the best thing they've ever done. But yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes back to personal tastes. But, but for me personally, I'm watching more. Yeah, I think uh, one of the caveats I have to throw out there is at least among the people I've talked to in South Florida, um, MLS and USL, and I know I've heard this from someone who works at Miami FC, uh, thus far this season have had conflicts with uh, those of you who don't follow other sports in in college basketball, uh, both the University of Miami and Florida Atlantic University. We have three big universities in South Florida. Two of them, well, actually, we have four big universities in South Florida. One of them won the Division II basketball title. Two of the other three, which are UM and FAU, the third being Florida International, which is actually where Miami FC plays, uh, those two went to the final four so of Division One men's. So there, the, the the audience in South Florida has been distracted, and the games for either FAU or Miami have been always conflicting with Miami FC games or inter-Miami games. It's just, I think, a coincidence that that happened. And it's a one-off that these these uh, schools made this run. But I think that has affected uh, viewership down here. And, and I'm told it's affected attendance down here as well. So that's a caveat on the TV viewing. But um, even when there hasn't been the conflict and people have been watching, they're complaining about two things, which is the lump of games so they can't watch other games. And I have to come back to this issue because it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up in our listener mailbag and it keeps coming up on social media. The lack of availability of a team-specific pass. Uh, I hear that from everyone. And uh, that's something I think, regardless of whether that report, which is unverified, is true, uh, I I tend to believe MLS uh, over over promises uh, media partners they have a long history of doing that so it d- doesn't surprise me if it is true but I think one thing they have to change is the lack of a team specific pass there are just too many people who are team specific club specific who do not care about what happens to Real Salt Lake or Colorado or uh, uh, New York Red Bulls and they might just be a sporting KC fan and that's all they want to watch However, if if they stick to their guns, right, and, and stay with what they have, which is the ninety nine dollars subscription fee for the season uh, with MLS Season Pass, for me personally, I'm I'm watching, I'm seeing more of I don't know, uh, Colorado, New England, Real Salt Lake, uh, San Jose, some of these other teams that I really don't really care much about. I mean, if they, I mean, but so I'm watching more of teams that I I've, I would have never watched before, basically, or would have watched very little because of the way they've structured it. So in some ways, it's almost like training wheels because MLS has to. Well, first of all, MLS has to decide: do they want to generate most of the revenue from television and streaming, or from ticket sales? And it's a fight between the two. Uh, ticket sales. I mean the. the the reason for the Premier League's success 
and how they've become a behemoth really in world soccer most of that is due to tv revenue uh them being able to sign the biggest players in the world for the for the most part uh even clubs like i mean brighton or uh, aston villa or leeds united being able to sign some big stars because they have that money from the tv revenue side of things mls has been like you mentioned kartik has been very much local team specific so they've done well selling tickets to games and those fans are interested in watching that team and and that uh, when when they're playing away watching those away games on oftentimes in the past regional sports networks however to grow as a league i really feel that they really need to become bigger and generate more money from tv revenue and with this apple experiment it, that this is what's happening now is that we're seeing that that conflict between the two we're seeing the conflict between the people that you're talking to anecdotally they're saying like hey i just want to watch my team I'm, i don't care about those other teams and for the majority of mls fans that's how they feel they don't really care we've seen that from tv ratings historically speaking is that outside of the, the, your your favorite team, they're not interested in watching the rest, the rest of the league. Let, let, let me say something on this, too. The 7.30 simultaneous kickoffs help ticket sales. I have no doubt in my mind about that. That's really the big reason I pushed it with NASL. We didn't have a TV profile. We had a gold TV deal, and then we had a BN deal, right? Those were largely insignificant. So um, I think... In terms of pushing ticket sales, they're probably in a better place than ever with the kickoffs not bouncing around from time to time with the occasion of that one Fox game. And with uh, fans who may not have may not be season ticket holders, knowing when their local team will play, it'll be 730 on a Saturday night. Let's buy a ticket. So I agree. And so that's that's. Probably more important to MLS, unfortunately. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think their media, they have to generate more money from media rights and more gen- money uh, from sponsorships, although sponsorships are, have been uh, ticking up as well for them. Um, expansion has helped drive that. But uh, ticket sales, I think this Apple deal works better for them for selling tickets than people are giving them credit for. So while we might be analyzing the deal just as a media deal, a TV deal, we have to consider that allowing MLS to streamline their kickoff times may uh, create enough of an uptick in ticket sales. And then ticket sales, because most almost all the MLS teams control their revenue, means in- increased parking money, increased concession money, and all the ancillary things that go on around the game. So um, it's probably increased revenue for each club based on uh, having a solid kickoff time every week. So for some background to, to for listeners who may not know, but so World Soccer Talk has been around for 18 years. Uh, and the our niche really is, is that we're the TV guide uh, of soccer in the United States. So we have TV listings for all the leagues. We have uh, articles, videos, uh, podcasts about how to watch uh, games, how to watch leagues, how to watch streaming services. We have an app that goes goes in and shows you how to watch every single game, who's showing what which games. So that's been our niche. We also cover news, etc. But so from the last, uh, maybe the last eighteen years, we're looking at those metrics, looking and seeing trends, and seeing which leagues are more popular than others. With MLS season pass, definitely the first three weeks there was a lot of interest in the streaming service and finding out more information about how it works. Uh, after week three. That dropped dramatically. Um, 
part of it's probably a comfort level and okay people know now what it's about know how much it costs uh still struggling with trying to f- uh, figure out how to switch off uh, spoilers and how to watch games on replay uh those things but but those are things that that uh, are, are are pains and issues hopefully that will be dealt with However, so taking that into consideration, looking at the metrics that we've seen where there has been a drop-off and that unverified report um, on Twitter that mentioned that Apple and MLS, the numbers are far below what they expected it to, to hit. Kartik, if you're a Major League Soccer, how do you change that? How do you – what changes do you make to get people subscribing to MLS Season Pass? What has to change? Well, there's structural changes that they're not going to make. So, I mean, I, I go through this all the time. And, uh, in fact, it's funny. At, last night at the Miami FC Jacksonville Open Cup game, uh, I got into a conversation with some fans of both teams about calendar change. And that keeps coming up. I mean, and again, right, we're talking about two teams from Florida. So I, I can see that. The Jacksonville fans don't like the current calendar. And the Miami fans don't really like it. They're not as hostile to it. Although I think they're pre- still pretty hostile to it but uh, that's one thing i think and then obviously promotion to relegation obviously more marketing of young players uh, yeah, let's let's think about this you know newcastle sitting third in the uh in the premier league one of the reasons they're there is because of a guy who was a star in mls in almiron uh, uh we talked about uh Derek classicer davies uh, after a kind of a shaky start the first 20 minutes had a really good game another mls guy so there are stories they can market the league around but I think that they still haven't found that that sweet spot in terms of what will drive interest from core soccer fans. Or maybe they're still kind of in the casual sports space. Um, but I do think uh, this is one place where I think you and I disagree. You, you, I know you tweeted the other day that they need more meaningful transfers. I don't think that's it. I think there's a lack of ambiance at the games outside of Seattle and Portland and maybe, you know, sporting uh, Cincinnati, actually. Their, their new uh, thing, is, it looks really, really good. But uh, um there are exceptions, right? Nashville's an exception also. But um, lack of ambiance, lack of meaningful context around the matches. The regular season seems to have no real discernible impact on, on the playoffs and uh, a lack of context around things. And uh, my experience from working in the game, and again, it's lower divisions, it's USL, it's NASL, it's NISA, it's NPSL, is that results and the quality of play matter a lot less than those ancillary things, those things on the side that have to be marketed pro- properly and the ambiance at the stadium, the experience. So when you turn it on a match, you have to feel like it's a big event. You turn on a match from uh, the Premier League or even the Championship, uh, Bundesliga, uh, uh, to a lesser extent La Liga, no longer the case with Serie A, which might be why it's struggling in this country. Um, you get the feeling you're, you're watching an event. You don't get that with an MLS match. Uh, with with some exceptions, with notable exceptions, Austin would be another exception. But I would still say the majority of clubs, majority of home venues, you don't get that feeling. So I, I would imagine that right now, MLS executives uh, in their headquarters in New York, New York City are scrambling, trying to explain why the numbers are not as great as the, as they should be or could be or what they were projected. And, and it's very likely that that unverified source um, – that unverified report is is valid based on what we're seeing in terms of um, you mean basically talking to soccer fans and interacting with them, answering the questions, seeing the trends and search traffic in terms of um, what people are saying. 
and we're very much kind of tapped into that. However, at this at this time in 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 the history of Major League Soccer, MLS is on an equal playing field in some ways. In terms of in the past, a lot of the criticisms about MLS was the TV coverage. You mean the camera work, the the production, what it looked like, and I would say. In terms of picture quality, in terms of the number of cameras in the stadium, uh, an MLS game looks almost as good as a Premier League match, which is a huge, huge improvement. Uh, and the same thing with the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga and the Premier League are, are two of the, the best produced soccer games uh, globally when you're watching a game. It really it feels like you're right there in close-ups, the atmosphere, everything. So it's so we have an equal playing field. So it's the production's much improved. It's great to watch. Um, so that's not the difference maker. I would say Kartik that um, in terms of player transfers, what I'm really talking about when I tweeted to say, hey, the one thing that's missing, I think, big time, is those transfer transfer signings, and it's Messi. <laughs> you mean like, MLS may not get Messi? Maybe they will get Messi. But it, that's the that's the thing that would change this overnight. All of a sudden, people would sign up like like crazy to get MLS season pass just to watch Messi. However, that's a that's a band aid because that's not fixing the problem. All it is is saying, okay, hey, let's put a name on this, and people, you mean subscriptions would spike overnight because of one player, but that doesn't fix the issues. And, and there's one other issue that I should mention that you had mentioned the last time we recorded, which as you said was five or six weeks ago, whenever it was, that was mentioned to me by one of these people who works in the game. Uh, and again, it might be personal preferences. It might be because people who are insiders like this person and myself have certain uh, likes and dislikes. But uh, this person said to me, JP Telecamera not being part of Apple Season Pass and calling NWSL games instead. Uh, he used uh, Dell Camera and Dave Johnson as an example. Um, that makes him want to watch NWSL instead of watching MLS. Um, and this is a person who works in the game and says, like, the people who I've trusted for years to deliver American soccer to me are calling NWSL or, in some cases, USL matches. And you have all these kind of new, young, former players uh, on, on the Apple side, and I don't really like it, and I think they come with an agenda. And I, I, I kind of push back against that with this person. I said, look, I mean, I, I see what Apple's trying to do. I see what MLS is trying to do. But yeah, I, too, don't like the fact they don't have JP Dell Camera or Dave Johnson or Dwight Burgesses or, you know, any number of guys, uh, 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 Joe Tolleson, any number of people that, that I've been comfortable with over the years and that I respect. Um, and in fact, JP Delacamera was doing an NWSL game this past weekend on Paramount Plus. So um, that's that's another issue. And you raised that issue initially, Chris. So I have to give you a lot of credit for that because I didn't. I thought maybe it was just an issue for you. And now I've heard it from someone in the game that I respect um, that isn't into the media stuff at all, but you know, brought this up and brought it up very directly with me and named names. I'll push back on that one, Kartik, because I, I think at the end of the day, it's personal preference. So you've got, I mean, you've got Taylor Twellman, you've got Keith Costigan, you've got Danny Higginbotham, you've got uh, Steve Cangelosi. I mean, there's there's plenty of uh, really good commentators and co-commentators uh, to keep most people really involved and engaged in games. And some are better than others. And yeah, JP would be fantastic to have him calling those games. But maybe it was more of a, a travel concern where he'd be have to fly uh, nationwide to, to cover these games. And maybe he just didn't want to do that. Maybe it's a personal preference on his part. I'm not sure. 
But what I would say, though, is that because MLS season pass, to me, for a cord cutter is perfect. The price could be better, yes. But in terms of what it's offering, no blackouts, consistent uh, kickoff times, uh, the whip around show, all the bells and whistles. And it's not perfect by any means. And, and hopefully it'll get better. However, I think it, it ignores – I mean, so the streaming side, I'm confident in. The part that I'm less confident in is meaningful games. And with MLS putting more game, uh, more teams uh, making the playoffs, it means that after the initial buzz of opening weekends and the first few weeks of the season where there's new stadiums, there's St. Louis City FC, there's um, – you mean some new players, et cetera, new kits, kind of that, that kind of initial buzz. After about three weeks, every single year this happens. This is not this year. This has been going on for probably a decade. That, that initial new season buzz wears off. And then you have April, May, June, where there's games happening, but they're less meaningful because so many of the teams make the playoffs. Why should I tune in every week to watch these games? What incentive do I have? At the same time, when there's some, you mean, it's April, May, June is, you mean, or basically March, April, May are some of the best times and busiest times in Europe in terms of watching soccer there, whether it's cup finals or whether it's end of season or it's relegation battles, wherever they may be. So I, so I think that's something that MLS has ignored in terms of making the regular season meaningful and sticking to a, uh, a format that's just like baseball. Uh, or just like NFL football, sticking to those American formats. And it's, it, it's not working. It's not compelling enough during the regular season. I, I think, Kartik, honestly, uh, MLS should just go to a Liga MX model and ha- have a split season. And, I mean, that way... It keeps people engaged. It's we did that with yeah. That was another thing we did with NASL. That I, I uh, there was so much pushback against it when we did it. For even for you know from our own fans that how this is terrible. You know how can you do this? Uh, it, it ruins the regular season. And then it made every match in the in the league really meaningful. Um, almost. I, I don't. I shouldn't say this, but almost too meaningful. I mean, the first two seasons in NASL, we had had uh, a playoff format like MLS, where just about everybody gets in, and we had had a te- the last team to qualify both years. The bottom team uh, made the playoff, uh, made the finals both seasons, and so as a result of that, we changed the format. But it almost made it such that you didn't have much margin for error, which I kind of, you know, I wasn't in love with, right? It was very difficult to qualify for postseason in the NASL after we went to that format, but it worked. And you got, and the justification was, okay, there's not much margin for error, but guess what? Things reset when you go to the fall season. So we had a spring season and a fall season. Um, And I think that that creates context. And with MLS, it's even better because you can break it up with League's Cup in the middle. The problem we had, the complication we had with NASL was Open Cup. And taking a break in the middle hurt some of our teams that had advanced uh, deep in Open Cup and then suddenly didn't have league games when uh, they were in a break, when when they got to the the round of 16 or the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. So um, that was kind of costly for for our clubs uh, in terms of Open Cup. But MLS has the League's Cup going on, and they will have Open Cup going on at the same time. So... Um, I, I, uh, I think it's something that they need to consider. And the other thing they need to consider is something where you give 
a built-in advantage to the home team. This is another Liga MX uh, formula. Home team, the higher the higher seeded team, the team that had more points. Maybe if it's a draw, you don't go to extra time. The team that had more points in the regular season wins and advances, or doesn't win, but they advance. Right. Yeah, I think it. Uh, obviously, it's too late for this season with uh, MLS and Apple, and I really hope that MLS is more introspective, is listening to opinions and feedback and what the fans are saying, because in many ways, what's happening now with MLS season pass is a wake-up moment, is a moment to realize that you have to change, you have to evolve, you can't keep on doing the same format year after year and then just increasing the number of teams making the playoffs, uh, scheduling games towards the, the time of the season where there's college football, there's NFL, there's you mean kind of World Series, all these other things happening at that end of the season when you mean in the summertime we're craving you mean good quality games to, to watch. And yes, League's Cup fills that this summer. But like you said, Kartik, I think it'd be better to have, I mean, two seasons, uh, a split season, kind of a, you mean, a, a spring season and then Leagues Cup right in the middle and then do a fall season. And then you have two two champions throughout the season. And maybe in that final eventual game, you have an MLS Cup that, that pits the, the spring win, winner against the fall winner in, in an even bigger game. So there's there, there are opportunities here for MLS to really change and evolve and i really hope that they do because um otherwise i mean if mls season pass if messi doesn't does not sign and they stick to the same type of format that they have this could end real quickly this could i mean we we know we've reported that uh apple has an out clause an opt-out clause if they wanted to uh if the numbers don't hit the marks that they're that they're wanting to hit uh Apple could pull out of this in, in, in a few years. I hope they have patience. I hope they have the patience to stick with this because this could turn into something um, bigger and better than what it is. And I think in some ways, the, the, the worry I have, Kartik, is, is next season. Is does, does MLS look at uh, 2023 season and say, oh my gosh, we, we hired so much talent. We hired, I think, about 90, 90 people, 90 to 95 people across English language, Spanish language, French language. We have commentators at all the games on site. We have the MLS 360 crew. We have a MLS um, studio set up for the Spanish language. Uh, season number two, 2024, we need to scale back big time. We need to cut corners. We need to figure out ways to to minimize our expenses because we're not making as much money as we thought we would be making. And that's what I hope that they don't do because the quality is there. The quality on the product is there. Yes, it can be better. Yes, there's things to fix. Yes, there are improvements to be made. However, I think the big issue is just the league format is give us a reason to keep on tuning in every week. Uh, other than MLS 360, uh, and maybe maybe that is the answer. Maybe offer a a team specific subscription model within MLS 360 uh, within MLS Season Pass, but make it so that it is cost effective and not su- not not super cheap. Um, but maybe there's a middle of the road price that someone can sign up and still get MLS Season Pass 
and see it for their team. And if they want to watch other teams, they can. But it gives them an incentive, and maybe it doesn't give them op- give give them all the options of all the other coverage available. Maybe it gives them a, a limited coverage, but but that certainly would be a, a step in the right direction. All right, Kartik, uh, before we we talked a lot about MLS season pass, um, this is a very kind of uh, fluid conversation. What about uh, US Open Cup? So US Open Cup, uh, about a year ago, perhaps, or, or, or might have been nine months ago, uh, we reported, you, you interviewed um, Cindy Paolo-Cohn uh, to get more insights in terms of the US Open Cup and the coverage of of that with the new deal with Turner Sports, uh, which includes Bleacher Report. Um, and now we're in the reality, Kartik, of 2023 uh, US Open Cup, uh, going through the different rounds, the early rounds. What's, what's your take on what we're seeing and, and some of uh, the concerns you may have? Yeah, it's pretty disastrous. And, and I've uh, penned an article about this over at uh, Beyond the 90 um, and had lively conversations on Twitter, which I, unfortunately I think you were tagged in one of them, uh, Chris. But um, it, it's been uh, a real disappointment uh, because what we've had is Turner only picks up a few matches a week, which is great. You know, the matches they pick up, they're producing well uh, and, and, and it, it, it's, it's fine and it's on – um, on the BR app, Bleacher Report app, and also on YouTube, which is an added advantage over what ESPN Plus did. Uh, because then you have the archives. I'm going to go back at some point today and watch the Detroit City match, uh, which was on Bleacher Report, and it's on YouTube. The problem is they're not picking up all the games. And I, now I understand this is less of a Turner issue and more of a U.S. soccer issue. And U.S. soccer not wanting to pay for the production of as many matches as they did in the past to put on ESPN Plus because I basically ESPN Plus wanted everything right, um, so they produced uh, U.S. Soccer paid to produce every match. So now we have a situation where only a few matches in each round are being uh, broadcast uh, professionally for Turner, and we're getting otherwise kind of haphazard streams with some poor camera work and some poor commentating, or we're getting nothing at all. So we had a match last night in the state, Tampa Bay Rowdies versus Nona FC, which is a club from uh, Orlando. And by the way, uh, those who don't know, uh, that area is developed by Daniel Levy and Joe Lewis, Nona, Lake Nona area. So that, you know, Spurs owner. So there's a connection there to, uh, to the Premier League. Anyway, they have, a, they have a match last night in Open Cup, which was not broadcast at all. Um, and in fact, in writing the match summary this morning, I just said, oh, here was the score. And I don't know what happened in the match, right? I mean, because that's what uh, uh, that's that that was uh, uh, something that happened in that match, and there were other matches in the first round that weren't broadcast. Um, and then you have um, club run broadcasts. So last night I had I watched uh, San Antonio after I got back from Miami Jacksonville, which I attended uh, in person. Uh, San Antonio versus Club Leon, which is uh, not from Leon, but actually from Central Florida. Uh, they're a, a, a NISA team, a third division team, and that was a match cast produced by San Antonio FC, which was pretty good. But again, it was not something. It was something San Antonio FC had to pay for which is not something they've had to do in the past. So uh, I'm concerned that the Federation doesn't take this competition seriously. They're focused on the national teams. Um, They're focused on fending off lawsuits since they're obviously always involved in litigation, mostly by virtue of their own actions, 
they, they get sued a lot. And um, they're letting the cup competition, which is the greatest single driver potentially of grassroots soccer interests in this country. And that's what the U.S. Soccer uh, Federation exists for. It doesn't exist to field national teams. And, and uh, I mean, that's that's one function. But the actual mission of a non they are a nonprofit, let's remember, is to grow the game in this country. They're letting a competition that grows grassroots interest in the sport um, um, kind of wither on the vine. And I, I can tell you from last night, there were Jacksonville fans who made the trip from Duval County or St. John's County, wherever they are in your area, actually, Chris, uh, down to South Florida because they weren't sure if the match would be streamed. So they made the three, three and a half hour, four hour drive, however long it is, uh, both ways. So eight hours, nine hours. Uh, and it turns out the match was streamed, but there was some concern about that. Um, and that's something that I think uh, is on U.S. soccer, and they have to remember what their mission is. It's not just about the national teams. It's about growing soccer uh, throughout this country. And in terms of Turner versus ESPN+, Plus, um, I'm going to defend Turner a little bit here. I think uh, the issue is a USSF issue, and I do like the fact that Turner is putting games on YouTube so you can go back and watch them later. You could do that on ESPN+, Plus, but they eventually disappear, right? And I think you know this. Finding uh, matches on demand on ESPN+, Plus is a real chore. So um, that much I really like Turner, what they're doing. So, so two questions here, Kartik. First of all is for those games that are not streamed, and you have experience with this. I mean, roughly, um, how much would it cost a club or how much would it cost U.S. soccer to go ahead, roughly, to go ahead and produce that game? And then the second question is, is the U.S. soccer uh, federation that financially in a tough situation where they can't afford to, to actually cover the costs to produce these games that are not shown? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Yeah, first, uh, for kind of a bare bones production, you can do ten or fifteen thousand dollars. That that is uh, not a lot of money in the bigger scheme of things, but it's a ton of money for local clubs, right? Uh, USL clubs, they can afford to do it. That's why San Antonio did it, although Tampa Bay didn't. So that's that. That's a question mark. Um, uh, now, in terms of U.S. soccer being financially strapped, I, I guess, I mean, they, they shut down the Development Academy also, uh, which is something that um, was done at least ostensibly due to financial considerations. Now, there are people in the game who tell me it was done to benefit MLS because MLS was ready to go with MLS next. So it was another uh, another uh, case of uh, the Federation allegedly, I, I, and I stress allegedly, colluding with MLS. But let's take the Federation at their word. They shut down the entire National Development Academy, which was having some success. And, and Chris, you've dealt with that uh, with the D. You had dealt with the DA personally as a parent um they shut it down ostensibly for financial reasons so they and and i know how much these lawsuits and lawyers fees are co- costing them they are a they are a nonprofit. they uh their uh, financial statements are, are, are available they, there's transparency there and you see the lawyer fees the for yeah 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 and tens of millions now actually so um yeah i guess uh they are financially strapped but still if you're going to prioritize anything i think you have to prioritize this competition uh even if that takes a little a little bit away from promotion of, of the men's and women's national team which seem to get plenty of promotion and plenty of media anyway so um and there is a, a certain degree of disgust right now among grassroots soccer fans with the way this is being handled and people are angry at Turner um, and I'm saying, hey, if you're angry, redirect your anger towards the Federation itself. It's not a Turner versus ESPN issue. Turner would produce the games exactly like ESPN did if they were given the same budget from the Federation. They haven't been. Yeah, it's definitely a sad situation for a, a tournament that is very similar to the FA Cup uh, in terms of the way it's structured. And uh, we've seen with the FA Cup in recent years how it has grown like a few years ago, there were a lot of talk about kind of scrapping or having Premier League teams not not participate or having uh, B sides, uh, reserve sides uh, enter instead. And and we've seen in terms of the promotion and investment put into the FA Cup, um, as well as the broadcasts have improved and they've got a whip around show, which is not perfect, but it's an improvement how things have improved there. So, Kartik, one more item of uh, discussion before we head into the listener mailbag is next week, CBS Sports are launching a brand new 24-7 soccer streaming channel. It's called the uh, CBS Sports Golasso Network, and uh, it's going to have a bunch of different things featured on it. So some of it's going to be reruns of um, of games that, that uh, are available through Paramount Plus and other places, as well as CBS broadcasts. Some of it's going to be original documentaries that are going to be uh, streaming, uh, as well as I'm sure there'll be some games on there now and again, too, for us to watch. So in many ways, I kind of think of it more as Pluto, Pluto TV, where they have hundreds uh, of uh, free ad-supported television where you find a channel and you can watch, I don't know, Antiques Roadshow channel uh, 24-7 where it's continuously running and there's commercials, lots of commercials throughout the day. So that's kind of the the thinking behind CBS Sports Golasso Network. Uh, And uh, they do have a, a, a morning show 
that's going to launch on April the 11th. It's called Morning Footy, and uh, that will cover, I think, from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., cover the the latest news and discussion. And uh, from time to time, they'll probably have some of the guests from some of uh, – CBS Sports's maybe Champions League coverage or Europa League coverage uh, coming on uh, to join the show. So, so, so this is really interesting, the amount of promotion CBS has put behind this, because every NCAA, I mentioned the NCAA tournament men's basketball, uh, I ended up watching the whole thing because, as I said, two local teams advanced deep in the tournament. Um, they were there were constant reads during the NCAA tournament matches uh, uh, about uh, about the Golasso channel, which I kind of kind of annoyed me in the sense that I thought, okay, maybe they should do more NWSL, like split it, not have uh, four reads a match about Golasso during the uh, or match, I should say, game, right? Uh, uh, it's a it's basketball during the basketball game, um, but they were really promoting it hard. And what was interesting, Chris, is the first weekend they were saying the first 24-7 soccer network. Uh, uh, and, uh, and I think there was pushback probably uh, because of Gold TV and Fox Soccer Channel in, in the past, Fox Soccer Channel. So then by the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, the read was the first free uh, – because it is 24-7 soccer network. So they had to correct that. And I think may- maybe maybe it wasn't Gold TV. They're probably not aware of these reads. It was probably Fox who said, hey, wait a second. We did that for a while. We had a, we had a 24-7 soccer network. Yeah, so it'll be available on uh, Paramount Plus as well as the CBS Sports app. And uh, I believe Pluto TV will have it too. So it'll be available in a bunch of different places. Um, the... The, the 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 challenge with this one, Kartik, honestly, and, and we've seen this before. We uh, used to sponsor a uh, as an advertising uh, partner, uh, actually uh, actually hosting it, uh, hosting a show called Soccer Morning with uh, Jason Davis from uh, Sirius XM FC, and it was a daily show. I think from seven to nine, also uh, every single uh, day, weekdays uh, that talked about the latest news, talked about the games coming up, interviewed a lot of people inside U.S. soccer and uh, was was very successful. And then Jason got hired by SiriusXM FC and has now been doing their show for several years uh, talking about uh, American soccer. However, that's, that's the thing about morning footy. Now more than ever, when Soccer Morning was on, it wasn't. Soccer was not as uh, f- uh, kind of fractured the actual community as it is now. Now it's like you can have fans that are just into women's soccer that don't are not interested in anything else. You can have fans that are into NWSL, not interested in anything else other than maybe the national team. Uh, you've got fans of the Bundesliga, hardcore Bundesliga fans that are not interested in, in, in the Premier League. Or you have fans of the Premier League that are not interested in anything else. You have MLS fans that just want just watch their local MLS team and and will watch a, maybe a US game now and again. So it's going to be really difficult for a morning show in 2023 to try to cater to whichever audience they're going to go after. Which I think a lot of it's going to be determined and based on uh, the rights that they have. So they'll definitely talk about Serie R. They'll definitely talk about NWSL, Champions League, Europa League. They will talk about MLS, even though they don't have MLS rights. Um, as we saw from the interview that uh, Kyle did a couple of weeks ago um, with with the CBS Sports uh, producer, where he talked about kind of 
that they're definitely certainly going to kind of dive deep into talking about the American soccer players playing in Europe and how they're doing and, and you mean did they score a goal and whatever whatever the latest uh, kind of topics are in uh, regarding that. I don't know, Kartik. This is going to be really difficult to to make this work to keep everyone satisfied. And if they can't keep everyone satisfied, who are they? Who are they going for? Who are they trying to appeal to? And it seems to be based on the talent that they've hired, and based on in that interview that we did, it sounds like they're focused on the American soccer fan who who will cover where Christian Pulisic goes. So maybe they were a big uh, Dortmund fan, now, and now they're a Chelsea fan, but if Pulisic goes to, I don't know, Norwich City or, or Leeds United, then they become like kind of a Leeds, a Leeds fan watching all the Leeds games. So it sounds like they're kind of very focused on American soccer and where those players are going and then talking about the, the other news of the day. To me personally, Kartik, that that does not interest me at all. But and that now it does interest some people, I'm sure. What about you? No, it doesn't interest me at all. I mean, in fact, I think you need to do uh, something like uh, Sirius has done with the counterattack show with Tony Miola and Eric Winalda, where they talk about Europe, even though it's two you know former USMNT players. They're they're more comfortable talking American soccer, but they uh, they know enough about Europe. And Tony Miola knows a lot about uh, Serie A in particular. Um, but uh, and 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 Winalda, the Bundesliga, and they both they both watch enough Premier League uh, to where, you know, I uh, generally don't listen to these programs. I've started listening to them, listening to them for some analysis of Europe, and then uh, they'll get into American soccer. And obviously, uh, when all this uh, worldview of American soccer is kind of similar to mine, so I, maybe it's, it's, again, personal preferences. Uh, but you have to mix the two, is my point. And I, I'm afraid this uh, morning show on CBS may not be doing that. They may be thinking they have to go with a strictly American angle. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll do it a little bit differently. Um, however, yeah, I don't know. It just it's going to be really difficult to make this happen. And maybe maybe over time it'll change. It'll evolve and trying to figure out what works. The, the, the one more thing about this too, which which is the part of the UEFA Champions League coverage by CBS Sports that I don't like is the way that they play to the, the camera where it's like they're trying to create social media moments and they're trying to do something wild and goofy and wacky that's really sometimes sometimes it's good but sometimes it's like oh god and then that's on social media everywhere they're they're, they're basically tweeting it out or posting it on the different social media platforms uh on the CBS Sports Colasso where it's just too much it's just they keep on all the time just kind of just trying to get that to be the talking point and that goes back to what nbc sports when we've interviewed them many many times going back to 2013 when we first spoke with them and they said that their role is not to get in the way that basically what they're doing they're they're broadcasting the games the games themselves are the most important reason that people are tuning in Yes, they will provide analysis and, and discussion and, and, and thoughts uh, before a game and at halftime and post-match, but they are not the stars of the show. The stars of the show are on the field, on the pitch, the teams that we watch every week in, week out. And I think CBS Sports definitely uh, have forgotten that. They're trying to make the their shows almost 
bigger or more important than the games itself. And that's my concern with uh, Morning Footy is they'll start doing some goofy stuff and trying to make social social media moments and viral, hoping that they go viral and try to push that rather than giving really good analysis. Yes, yeah, sh- sure, some comedic uh, relief now and again. So so it just like for me, it just rubs me the wrong way. I, I, I just don't believe in, in that. Um, and maybe for social media, for them, it's good. But for me as a viewer, that, that's a big turnoff. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think uh, I, as NVC's coverage of the Premier League evolves and they've added uh, the two Robbies podcast and the lowdown, uh, which, by the way, the lowdown, I highly recommend you should watch that every week uh, because Rebecca Lowe has some really strong uh, and well-formed opinions about about the league. She's not just a presenter, right? She can analyze, too. Um, they've been able to maybe satisfy some people who are looking for moments uh, while keeping their coverage very consistent uh, CBS uh, honestly and, and again uh, this is this is uh, uh, maybe it's the right formula because different competitions and different audiences are different um, I see the way they broadcast the Champions League is very different than the way they broadcast Serie A, and it's different than the way they broadcast CONCACAF or for NW, or NWSL. Actually, NWSL this past weekend, uh, Jackie Oatley was stateside calling the match uh, in a very kind of traditional way that a women's soccer match would be called. And uh, there, it wasn't about generating social media moments, right, unlike their Champions League coverage. So it was very uh, – yeah, I, I think they're kind of all over the place and maybe they're so all over the place Chris that Golasso Network will work because there'll be something for everybody so maybe that's that's where they're going with it maybe maybe we'll see all right speaking of well-informed opinions let's move on to listener mailbag uh the first two I'll read uh back to back and this is discussing MLS 360 uh first is uh Turfit and Turfit says uh, why are commercials during the during the MLS 360 whip around show acceptable? With the price that they're asking for the service, there should not be any commercials while players are on the field playing in in a match. Goal Rush on Peacock and Paramount Plus does not have commercials. Mercator says, I cannot stress how disappointed I am that MLS 360 has commercials and that it was not raised again during the pod. This is the number one issue with MLS Season Pass. And for all the supporter culture discussion that goes on, the most fundamental rule in soccer is don't show commercials during the damn matches. And this wasn't raised at all. It's even more egregious. We are paying extra for Apple TV Plus or Season Pass and still deal with commercials during match play. A firm line must be drawn on this. Red Zone does not have commercials. Golasso does not have commercials. It's never acceptable to run commercials while the ball is in play. Please take a stand on this for the sake of soccer fans everywhere instead of going on and on about football culture while sitting through a bunch of insurance ads. So let, let, let me say say a couple of things on this too because there, there are these are good points. These are valid points. I would say though MLS 360 is available for free. So when you go to MLS Season Pass every weekend, even if you don't subscribe to MLS Season Pass, you can watch MLS 360 for free. Um, Apple and MLS going into this really a joint venture, kind of a partnership. Um, MLS, actually, I'm sorry, Apple, as part of this deal, have launched their own ad network. Um, 
and they see MLS as an ideal way to go ahead and begin that ad network and sell some major sponsorship deals um, and sponsorship packages and then wrap those around MLS 360. To me personally, because it's available for free, I don't have an issue with them having commercials. Now, Peacock uh, with Gold Rush, yes, there's no commercials, but you're paying a subscription fee to get Gold Rush. Paramount Plus uh, and The Glasser Show, you pay, again, you pay a subscription fee to get Paramount Plus. Um, it still has commercials, right? It's usually during halftime or pre match or post match, but during the games themselves, you don't. For me personally, what I've done with MLS 360, when I've watched it and it breaks to a commercial, and I'm like, ah, oh, no. I'll just change the channel and I'll just change the channel and go to one of the games and watch one of the games for the three minutes and then go back to MLS 360 and usually the commercials are over by then and I'm right back in. So I'm not missing a beat in terms of, you know, it makes me kind of try to see, watch some of the other games for a few minutes and then go back if, if commercials are an issue. Kartik, I, I know that's um, that may not be what most people think in terms of their opinions, but where are you with this? So this goes back to the lack of, I think, education that's happened from MLS and Apple about the actual package. So MLS 360 is free for anyone every week. As you mentioned, the impression... Many, many, if not most soccer fans in this country have is that it's behind the paywall. So I think the people who are actually watching it and sending in uh, uh, messages uh, to, to our uh, mailbag have bought MLS season pass and assume it's behind the paywall. So they're holding it to the same standard as things that are on Paramount Plus and on Peacock and on ESPN Plus, etc. Uh, HBO Max, right? They're they're covering soccer now. So um I think that's part of the problem. There is so much confusion, even in spite of the fact that you put out a primer, Chris, on February. Uh, we were hoping it would be February 1st and ended up being like February 20th. But uh, a primer about um, the accessibility of Apple uh, MLS season pass. There is still so much confusion about it. And this is the fault of Apple and MLS. I'm not uh, I'm not saying, oh, the fans are ignorant and dumb and they don't get it. Like some people on social media have said about them. Oh, you know, it's very clear. No, MLS and Apple need to do a better job of telling people what's available for free, how easy it is, even if you have an Android device or you're a web browser to watch these matches or watch the things that are free and uh, and, and make a point of it. They haven't done that. Yeah, that MLS season pass FAQ that we built uh, had it was over three thousand words, had over fifty questions, and went into a detail, lots of detail about every single point of this. And it took about two weeks to actually write and research and, and finish. And it's something that I think, in many ways, still, still right now, communication is an issue. So the communication of lack of communication from MLS and Apple on what's happening. For example, a couple of examples. Uh, Jesse Marsh was on MLS 360 uh, last weekend, and there was no communication that went out. Well, actually, there was a communication that went out. They went out on Friday. But however, uh, I think the news leaked on Thursday, uh, not through an official communication, but through through Twitter. It leaked on, on Thursday that uh, he was going to be on. So if they knew on Thursday, they should jump on that 
get get the communications out there. Hey, this Saturday, you mean Thursday in advance of Saturday gives people a more opportunity to find out about the information rather than on Friday where people are you know, taking the day off, off work or for the weekend, a long weekend and missing out on the information. Get the information out there on Thursday that Jesse Marsh is going to be on. We're going to be discussing Leeds United or the U.S. men's national team job and and, and also what time. <laughs> Nobody knew what time it was going to be on. I missed it. I missed the segment. I knew it was going to be on, but I missed it because MLS 360 in its totality is about five hours long. I'm not going to watch five hours. I'll watch two or three hours, sometimes four hours, but I missed it. So that's the first issue. The other issue, I think, is uh, is advertising. I've seen so little advertising from MLS and Apple about MLS seasons, season pass. Uh, you were mentioning, too, about the, uh, the, the live reads on the uh, March Madness for CBS Sports Glasso Network. Uh, but however, on the MLS season pass, I've, I've seen very little advertising. So, so I, I mean, in terms of that advertising, that advertising can be talking about MLS 360. Watch it for free, and then if you like it, go ahead and subscribe. And, and we've got all the games. Or there's been very little advertising, very little communication, and I think both MLS and Apple can do a much better job on that in, in getting the information across because um, it, it is confusing. I mean, it took us two weeks to kind of go through every single possibility of how it works and answering all the questions in, in infinite detail. You mean talking to Apple, talking to MLS, talking to people within the business to get all the details in there, doing the research ourselves and actually using, uh, you mean, using a browser versus using a Roku versus an Amazon Fire versus an Android phone, etc. So ah, it, it, it was a lot of work. It's worth it because the information's out there. But um I think the league and, and Apple need to do a much better job. And then uh, two more questions to go. MLS season pass. Dave has a question. He says, have you seen data on metrics like viewership, paying subscribers, etc.? Much of the success or failure of the MLS season pass experiments will be driven by whether MLS single team fans and or casual fans spend additional money and time on MLS. It sounds like everyone involved is giving the best effort, creating an event with scarcity. Saturday evening games and associated whip around show is smart. And Dave, that that's the big question: is that Apple is not going to release streaming numbers, so we will never know what how they're doing unless there's some unverified report or some leaked information out there, which is unlikely because. Everyone's going to be tight-lipped about this. So we will probably never know um, how good or how bad. Now, if, if the numbers are really good, they will find a way to get that information out there. You mean, maybe it's percentages. You mean, the, the amount of people watching MLS season pass on week six has increased by 20% compared to week one or whatever it is. Some, some type of metrics. There's been zero metrics other than that unverified source. Um. Yeah, and and that's the big thing that Dave mentions too, Kartik, which ties into what we talked about before is MLS single team fans and also the, the casual fans. And I don't think the casual fans are turning to MLS Season Pass and subscribing and watching in the numbers that they that MLS and Apple hoped they would. And that's the other thing too. One more thing on this one too, too Kartik, is I've been disappointed with Apple. I mean, like there was so much talk about Apple using all of their marketing might to get behind this and in all the what millions if not billions of uh, iPhones available worldwide 
to get the message across, to make sure that people are know about MLS Season Pass. I, I don't own an Apple phone. I have an Apple laptop. I have Apple TV, the product, the actual hockey puck. Um, but I've seen very little marketing might from apple thus far uh it's kind of in your apple iphone yeah yeah i was gonna say it's kind of in my face on my ipad and uh on the iphone to the point where it's annoying but i think again it's sort of in my face uh honestly on the iphone and on the ipad I, i get much more marketing uh than i expected from apple now, I don't know if it's targeted. I don't know if it's because there's an algorithm and they know first that I'm a soccer fan and then that I signed up after uh, after they hit me with a couple ads uh, starting in early February and that uh, from that point on, oh, maybe uh, we'll just keep reminding this guy. Or if it's completely untargeted and it's going to anyone with an iPhone anywhere in the world because this is a global deal, which is, a, uh, which is another issue. I, I, I'm hearing that uh, this is probably for another podcast another time but i'm hearing there are issues with uh with mls now being off of uh media but not having media partners abroad and that affecting mls coverage in those countries but that's another subject for another day um but i don't know how targeted it is and i don't see it you know let's just go back to the example of of march madness Uh, every time fau played every time miami played i saw multiple reminders about the golasso channel and i'm and and i shouldn't imply that there were no champions league or nwsl reads or ads there were it just wasn't as uh constant as the golasso channel but there are three other soccer products there that are in your face on the biggest in the biggest sporting event in the United States during the month of March, and there's no MLS uh, uh, at all. So uh, that's a problem, and that's the thing though too. Apple, which is a problem, Apple does not have a TV network. So in this deal that uh, MLS did with Apple, they made sure to to stick around with with Fox, and Fox is is their TV property. Fox is the way of reaching a mass audience. And we all know how well Fox does in terms of their TV coverage, which is which is pretty abysmal. So Fox also is not stepping up and doing as good of a promotion, a job of a promotion, promoting these games and getting press releases out to get people excited about this. Um, and Fox has really no incentive, right? I mean, Fox doesn't yeah. want to, <laughs> to go ahead right, and, gonna, and I, generate I, subscriptions to Apple, right? It's it's yeah. to, them, to, to them it's a competitor. They're a media giant, Fox. And so is Apple, and Apple's treading in on, on their turf, getting more into the sports side of things, and probably potentially in the future, bidding for the same property. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised in the next TV deal that the Bundesliga, I mean, maybe they have discussions with Fox, I mean, maybe they have discussions with Apple, as well as ESPN. And what if Apple gets the, the Bundesliga? And what if Apple gets global deals? This is the other thing for Fox. I don't blame Fox at all. I know people like to bash Fox. Apple now, this MLS deal is a global deal. Let's not forget that. So they're encroaching on Fox's properties in other other countries, although they're mostly, they sold most of that to, to, to Disney, uh, but they're encroaching on whatever uh, other broadcasters might want to do in other parts of the world. Paramount Plus is very strong in, in uh, now in uh, uh, Australia, uh, they're getting stronger in India. Uh, so at this Apple, Apple doing a global deal with MLS doesn't just affect the U.S. market. And if you're a media giant, you, you, you like Foxes, you don't want to promote them. Why should you? This is going to be really fascinating, Kartik. Probably even more than I thought originally. Uh, how how all this plays out between Apple 
an MLS. Um, on the TV side, it's the deal with Fox is through until right before the 2026 World Cup. And I'm sure Apple, I'm sure MLS is saying like, hey, once 2026 ra- uh, rolls around, things are going to just blow up. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get so many signups. However, you've got 2023, 2024, and 2025. Three long years. And I'm sure that Apple and MLS are hoping that those numbers do increase between now and then because it's going to be tough. And and honestly, too, I think MLS really needs to kind of look within it, within itself, but also outside of that bubble and start asking questions or getting feedback or, or listening because changes are needed. And I think anyone that's honest, really honest with MLS knows that there are improvements that could be made and the league historically has been very stubborn as far as the way that they've rest- kind of kind of avoided that. The other issue with this, Kartik, is that who are MLS's customers? And I, I would argue it's it's not the fans. It's it's the league owners. It's the, it's the team owners. They are they are the customers. So it's like trying to make sure that they're satisfied, that they're happy, that that uh, it's not going to impact their uh, the the ticket gate numbers, the number of people are signing uh, buying tickets. Or so within MLS, I think there's a lot of internal conflict and probably internal battles and strife to try to figure out a way to create a product that's going to satisfy the the end users, which are the soccer fans, but more importantly, the actual team owners. So that that that's going to be fascinating to see how that internal structure and conflict how how that adapts over time too. One last uh, piece of feedback in the list of the mailbag. Uh, this is from Kenneth about the CBS Sports Glasso Network, and Kenneth says the football show on Sirius XM FC just got big competition. And I think he's talking about morning footy. I I think honestly though, I think it's two different audiences. I think the Sirius XM FC listeners are usually listening to that the, the football show are on their way to work or at work or commuting and they're listening to that show in through the car or through or on their uh, iPhone or whatever device and I think the morning footy it's going to be more so probably a different audience they're going to be maybe working from home uh, or have a mobile phone where they, they want to watch something visual. They want to see see visual. And a lot of the morning footy, I think, is going to be a lot of the views are probably that they're hoping to get are probably going to be on social media throughout the entire day where SiriusXM FC, once that football show is over in the morning, you don't really hear much or see much uh, outside of that on social media. All right, listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. This has been a long show, but uh, it's great to have Kartik back. And, and I really appreciate, Kartik, uh, you taking time because there's a lot of stuff going on in your life right now. Um, so, so thank you for that. Um, listeners, if you do want to give us any feedback on anything we've discussed today or anything that you have uh, in terms of questions about uh, soccer TV or streaming, uh, get in touch with us. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways. Uh, the website is worldsoccertalk.com. And then you go to the podcast uh, in the uh, navigation and leave your comments in the latest episode. You can reach us on Twitter at World Soccer Talk. You can go to Facebook.com uh, slash World Soccer Talk and send us a message there, um, as well as email. Email is web at worldsoccertalk.com. And last but not least, uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 561 561- 
247-4625. And Kartik, where can they find you on Twitter and where can they find your uh, Substack? Yeah, so you can find me at Twitter at KKFLA737 and Substack at beyondthe90.net. And I have to admit, uh, you know, it's all trial and error, Chris. And you, you know this, too, with, with running World Soccer Talk. Um, there seems to be much more demand for uh, newsletters and articles related to lower division American soccer and, uh, and uh, specifically, in some cases, Florida soccer than there is for even the Bundesliga. So... Uh, Kind of the direction of the site has changed. More Open Cup, more USL, NISA, um, and and some other topics, and a lot of lot of lower division English soccer too, which is just that's my passion. Those numbers aren't great, but um, strangely enough, since been doing this site now for a couple months, Chris, the worst, uh, the worst, the least read articles are all about the Bundesliga which uh, I've written about frequently. So that's very unfortunate. It's at beyondthe90.substack.com. And uh, I think maybe that's just a reflection of... We didn't talk about Derek Klassiker uh, in this show because that's kind of a reflection of where things are with the Bundesliga. Yeah. I think it's just a, a dying interest in the league. However, I will say, Kartik, a couple of things on this. One is, I think, for a newsletter or for a website, too, it's all about finding your niche and kind of what makes you different than everything else that's out there. And lower league soccer, um, whether it's US Open Cup, and, and there's very little information, really good information about that. So finding the niche sometimes is a great way to kind of uh, separate yourself from everyone else. And, and going back to the Bundesliga for a second, just uh, before we uh, head off here, is from this past weekend from the Der Klassiker, the, the viewing numbers were great, really, really good. So uh, Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund on ABC was uh, 624,000 viewers. MLS, that same, that same day, I think it was the LA Galaxy against Seattle Sounders on Big Fox, was 364,000. So not quite half but definitely a huge difference between the two. Um, yes, that Fox number does not include the MLS season pass numbers that the people that watched it on there. However, I wouldn't imagine there'd be a lot of people watching it on MLS season pass for that earlier game. That that's just that's just me talking in terms of my my, my thoughts on that. So there are fans out there, but for the Bundesliga, there might be. You know, I mean, subscribing to if Derek Ray had a uh, Substack, I think it would be through the roof talking about the Bundesliga. And in some ways, his Twitter account kind of serves that purpose in terms of uh, that information. So, so it's nothing against the Bundesliga, nothing against MLS, nothing against lower league soccer. It's just I think finding that niche that that's uh, most important. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, sorry for it. it. It's been a while since the last one. Heading into a new weekend of soccer from around the world. Uh, Kartik, what are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. 